Hello, and welcome to Into the Aether. It is a low-key video game podcast, and my name is Brendan Big Lee. <laughs> that had a bit of a Microsoft Sans vibe to it, which is fun. Uh, I'm Stephen Hilger. Thank you for joining us. Uh, it's here, Brendan. Skyward Sword HD for the Nintendo Switch has arrived. The next great big Zelda game has finally <laughs> arrived. <laughs> it's here. We've all been waiting for it. Breath of the Wild, you know, great game, but just holding us over for the next big release, Skyward Sword HD. I have been looking forward to this. I think we both have in a lot of ways. Yeah. I mean, I think it was kind of announced weirdly and sort of like inherently became a meme because of it. Yeah. It was one of those things where a lot of people expected a whole collection of things and instead we only got the worst one or at least like what, <laughs> what people, you know, I, I think colloquially refer to as the worst one of the yeah. like three games people were expecting. Everyone was expecting Wind Waker, Twilight Princess, Skyward Sword in one bundle uh, and instead just Skyward Sword. Yeah, and it was introduced, to even add more to that, it was introduced like, we are still working on the new sequel to Breath of the Wild, but in the meantime... <laughs> this is what you get, yeah. yeah. Um, but, you know, once the shock and terror wore off, I feel like I I was excited to give it another chance. I mean, I, I liked this game. I've said this before, but my take on Skyward Sword has always been, if you remove the Zelda from it, and you don't compare it to other Zelda games, it's like a incredible game on its own merit like my my theory is like if it wasn't a zelda game it would have been like a cult wii game with like a giant kickstarter backing it to bring it back in some capacity yeah like an okami kind of thing where it's like you know it's it's not exactly zelda but it's it's pretty close and it's clearly inspired by yeah (laughs) and and i think you and i have said this on the show as well but like even the worst zelda game is better than most games generally uh and and i think there are uh, there are a couple standouts that you could point to that are like definitely worse than most games in general I don't think this is one of them, though. I think I think this is a game um, that because of a couple things that could be easily tweaked via quality of life improvements, people disliked it more than, you know, maybe it deserved. Uh, But at the time, there were some things that were really holding it back that are now gone, which I, you know, we'll get into eventually. If you don't mind, I'd actually love to talk about a little bit more like the time this came out, because I think it's it's kind of a fascinating era. Absolutely. I feel like it was a really like I think even like there's plenty to critique about Skyward Sword, and I think we'll get into that even in the HD remaster. Oh yeah, but I think one of the reasons why it didn't have the same fanfare that others all the games received was that like it came out in 2011 on the Wii, so like it was pretty much like one of the last Wii games. Yeah, and it was so motion control centric even more so than twilight princess which was ironically the launch title for the wii yeah like the the motion controls there were kind of just there like because the game came out on the gamecube as well so like if twilight princess is brought to the switch like you will probably not play it with motion controls because they were just sort of there to like show that you could aim the bow with the <laughs> with the wii and that right. was kind of it yeah. i i actually enjoyed them for because you know again at that time motion controls were so new and the wii was so new and exciting that like i didn't mind occasionally wagging the wii remote to like attack a skeleton like yeah. that was fine there there was still kind of like a, a glamour to it it was still kind of exciting yeah yeah and i think if i think if skyward sword was the launch title on the wii people would have been way more into it because like i think so too yeah in it, five years after like smooth moves wii sports hangover no one wanted to like have one-to-one sword control yeah and it weirdly was just like it kind of felt like a deal with the devil where like i remember a lot of people like there was rumors that twilight princess was going to be like a one-to-one you can 
control link sword that way, like lightsaber fighting thing. Mm. And it, it wasn't. And then you got that and it's like kind of weird. Like it's not great. You know, like it doesn't ruin the game, but it doesn't add anything. And like, it's always like kind of strange, like seeing Link run around like he's having a ice cream cone melting on his hand. It's like always <laughs> a little bizarre. So I think that like when this came out, motion controls were like very much like no one really wanted to do it anymore. On top of that, I feel like that was the beginning of like really like the blue period of Nintendo. Like end of Wii, beginning of Wii U was like, what is happening? What's yeah. going on? I think there was kind of a a dwindling faith in the Nintendo formula. And I think at that point with Zelda, there was a perceived slump that didn't really exist because Twilight Princess and Skyward Sword are both great games. Twilight Princess especially. Yeah. But I think that like in a pre-Breath of the Wild world, those two games very much like every Zelda game post Ocarina, at least the 3D ones, like did something pretty dramatically different. Like Majora's Mask was like, what if David Lynch made a Zelda game? Mm-hmm. Wind Waker was like kind of almost like a Pixar adventure. Tyler Princess was like the most Ocarina 2 of them, but like a lot of really original ideas happening within that game. So like all the games are kind of going for their own vibe, but like the core skeleton was still, you get items, you go to temples, the item will help you defeat the temple and that's going to be the game. Right. And I feel like pre Breath of the Wild, people were getting like a little bit tired of that. It's like, okay, what is the future of this series if that's all it can be? Right. Because a, lo- a lot of the innovation, I think, in-, in that franchise came from just like, what is the gimmick of this game in a way? Yeah, right. And-, and what it eventually started to become, which was, I think, the revitalization of the franchise as a whole was there's not a gimmick for this game in terms of us adding a new mechanic here. We're taking a look at what the like basic tenets of a Zelda game are and tweaking those instead. And that's really where I think the franchise just kind of, you know, lifted off and became something way more interesting. Link Between Worlds, I've I've said many times, is probably my favorite Zelda game. You know, that that game letting you go and quote unquote rent any of the items uh, right at the top and just go do any dungeon in any order was like really great, you know, and and paved the way just like Skyward Sword did in ways that we'll talk about later uh, for Breath of the Wild, which is obviously like a huge radical shift for the way that game works or the way that franchise works. But I think Skyward Sword kind of is one of those situations where it was like, People were maybe getting a little bit sick of the same thing happening over and over again. And this is like so beholden to that in even narrative ways, you know, like even even narratively, (laughs) it needs to be exactly what every Zelda game before it was like, uh, which, you know, I I think got it into a little bit of hot water on top of the fact that like, you know, as you mentioned, this is towards the end of the Wii's life cycle, I think. At this point in the Wii's history, it was like so many people had it like they'd reached like full, full, full market saturation. Nobody else was going to buy a Wii at this point and they needed to find some way to continue moving hardware, uh, which came with the introduction of Wii Motion Plus, which was how you got the how you got the one to one uh, combat in this game. Like, you know, you could you could wave your arm and, and Link would do the exact same thing in game. And that either came via an attachment that you would plug into the bottom of your Wiimote or you could go buy a like revised version of a Wiimote looking back it's pretty clear that that was Nintendo's attempt to like put off a new console cycle like they they want they had this huge install base with the Wii they wanted to keep that uh that that audience like buying stuff uh and and thought maybe we can use a Zelda game to move hardware units that aren't full ass consoles asking people to pay $30 for a thing that plugs into the bottom of the Wiimote they already have is a lot more enticing than asking them to pay $300 to buy a new console and it didn't 
work really <laughs> that's no i mean like at the end of the day we motion plus is kind of like a strange footnote for nintendo and not like a big shift because people were like kind of done with it and i think even yeah. looking outside of the nintendo world you had things like xbox connect and playstation move coming out which like didn't make motion controls a more mainstream thing it just accentuated its death i think you know <laughs> in, in the same way that like avatar came out and was in 3d and hollywood thought that was the reason that that movie was successful and then started like post-producing movies in 3d to the point where like people got sick of it and and didn't want to pay extra for this like you know worse version of a movie that you know wasn't shot in 3d but was presented in 3d anyway um and eventually that kind of like waned and really doesn't exist anymore you know motion controls kind of went by the wayside uh, for the most part and the wii u eventually came out uh and had some motion control stuff but for the most part it went out the window um with the exception of like vr and and i think skyward sword is kind of wrapped up in that timeline you know in that timeline of like this is this is actually maybe the beginning of the death of motion controls (laughs) uh was legend of zelda skyward sword you know so there's like there's so there's so many links to this game pardon the pun there's so many links to this game in in terms of like the narrative around why it was a failure um or like perceived as a failure and i have been so looking forward to going back to it without any of that you know without any of that baggage like let me just go in with a friend this game is such fucking aether fodder you know like it's like exactly (laughs) the kind of game you and i love to check out is like oh here's a much maligned game in a hit franchise let's see if we can find the fun in here and let's see if we can find something interesting um and man have i found both fun and interesting things in here. Uh, it's fascinating. It's a fascinating game to play. In short, I really enjoyed playing it again. Um, I mean, I have like positive memories of it. I just like, it's notable that I never finished it. Like that's sort of like the big caveat is like, I kind of moved on. It's also Same, like yeah. you said, the Wii sold really well. And like a lot of people didn't play this one. So it's like you have <laughs> the Zelda game that comes out on the console. Everyone has and not everyone got it. Like that's that's a sign. It says a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I'm still thinking and laughing internally about you saying connect and PlayStation move accentuated the death of motion controls. <laughs> and my first thought was like when a bank Twitter account like posts a meme, it's like that meme is dead forever. <laughs> Once TD bank is like, you know, like, yeah. <laughs> Uh, whatever choose your choose your online joke (laughs) but anyway yeah do you want to get into like what our experience has been this time around and like what we're enjoying and what we're finding interesting yeah i'll say this much just to to wrap up my kind of history with this game i i bought it when it came out i got a new wiimote uh that had wii motion plus built into it just to play this game it was bright pink uh, I still have Mine it. Mine was like baby blue. Yeah, I love it. Um, yeah. Great, great color choices for the Wiimotes. Um, yeah. And uh, played through, I would say, over half of it. Um, because without spoiling narrative reasons, a good, I would say, half of this game involves going back to places you've already been. Um, yes. And retreading the same ground. Uh, backtracking a lot. Um, you know, revisiting the forest temple, but like with a new twist to it. Uh, and, and that didn't feel great back then. Um, and I'm, I'm interested to see how it feels now, but that, that was the, that was my main reason for bouncing off of it. I didn't really mind as much a a lot of the high level gripes that people have with this game, which we'll get into, but 
you know, I there were annoyances that I'm happy to be rid of now. Yes. Um, and and yeah, that, that's kind of that's kind of my history with it. It's just like I, I played through most of it or like a big chunk of it and then never finished it. And uh, I, I think I want to this time. But I think um, like going into the discussion about this game, are you liking it so far just in general? Yes. I've <laughs> had kind of like emotional roller coaster with this game. Yeah. Because. I remember what I really liked about the game. I love this time. Like the, the positive things I had retained from my experience yeah. are like even better now. Like I know he's on the cover of uh, Nintendo of America's Twitter account. I know we've basically made him our mascot by accident. <laughs> Groose is unironically the best part of the game. Like he <laughs> steals the show and only gets better as the story progresses. Like without spoiling, he has a very large role. <laughs> In the story <laughs> that like is it's so funny because he shows up and he's basically like bulk from the Power Rangers. He's like this kind of benign bully. Yeah. But anyway, we'll have Groose talk later. What I really love about Skyward Sword really are the opening hours. I was so immediately smitten yeah. by this game's opening in a way that like not like few other Zelda games do as successfully. Like truly, I guess second to like Ocarina or Breath of the Wild that have like very iconic openings like this game's like opening hour really immerses you in this world that is unlike a lot of others. All the games There's sort of like uh, I, I watched you have uh, on our YouTube like uh, two videos of you playing this game and you made some comparisons to Dragon Quest seven, which like are very apt because yeah. like it is a world in which there's this little island in the sky. There's like maybe like two dozen people who live there and that's their whole world. And there's like rumors of what's beneath the clouds, but like no one really knows or even believes it. And like people are very comfortable jumping off cliffs. It's like a very carefree society. Yeah. They drop, they ride giant birds. So if you fall off the island, just whistle and a bird will pick you up. Yeah. And if not, there are knights that are like basically trained to just pick people up if they fall. Yeah. <laughs> Which is kind of funny. Right. And they're all they're all like they're all trained as knights to protect something that they don't like fully understand or even like yeah. have full knowledge of. It's very interesting. It's this very like kind of closed off space uh, that's very, very pretty. I, th- I think I think the, the opening hours of this game really just serve to highlight what Skyward Sword is going for more than any other Zelda game, which is like narrative. Yeah, because even compared to the other Zelda games that I like the opening hours of like Breath of the Wild, for example, I, I think mechanically is a really fascinating opening. I think it's really interesting. I I don't know if it's the most fun part of the game, you know, because they're like teaching you how to play it and you haven't fully grasped all the concepts yet. And the tutorial is very, very loose, you know, until the moment when you get the parasol and you're able to jump off and realize that that little plateau is just a part of a larger world. It's very nice. It's it's, it's a good idea that honestly, I think is one of the weaker things about Breath of the Wild are the opening hours. And that's one of the stronger openings, I think, in Zelda games. This one is like beautiful and i i could see yeah. where people would bounce off of it i could see where people would be like eh, i don't want this this isn't like my zelda experience right it's very different yeah but i love that this game takes its time i really love how much time you get to spend with a lot of these characters kind of learning who they are uh the, the culture on this on in skyloft is the name of the place i really appreciate it and I, and I love how even when the inciting event happens at any point you could return to skyloft and just like go hang out uh, yeah it's really skyloft great. as like a home base is really great yeah i also in terms of the opening hours i really love zelda in this game like the relationship yeah. she has with link and like you know 
mean, you really get to know her. And when she inevitably like gets taken away from you and like it, it's it's not that she's like held captive the whole game. It seems like she's having her own adventure very like, much separate from you, which I like. So I, I think it's shitty to have her like become a damsel in distress every time. Yeah. Which kind of happens. But like at least it's like, OK, like I'm following her footsteps. And I think what also really works for me with their relationship is like Link is kind of useless without her. Like. The only reason Groose doesn't like steal his lunch money every day is because Zelda sticks up for him. Yeah. Like Zelda like reminds him to like go training. Like Link is established as like a very carefree, kind of lazy guy. Like he just sort of like <laughs> drifts through life. And Zelda is the one like wanting him to aspire to greatness. Right. Because it's it's not even like he he has like self-doubt and doesn't think he can get there. It hasn't even occurred to him that greatness yeah. is a possibility. <laughs> like he's just content. He hasn't thought about anything beyond like sleeping and flying around really yeah which like makes sense for someone living in an island in the clouds yeah like, truly truly head in the clouds vibes but even saying as much as we already have like that's more characterization than link generally ever gets and it's way more than zelda usually gets as well yeah Ex- second to breath of the wild this is the most zelda yeah. has like been given a character and i re- and like you really genuinely want to save her. Like the reason you will play this game is like you want to see them together again. Yeah. I, I think those those opening scenes are so successful at that. Um, I also think it's kind of funny that like Link is still a silent protagonist, but the dude talks a lot. Like there are a lot of scenes where he's like, you know, his mouth is like flapping up and down and he's like, you know, moving his hands. I'm like, this car- this Link really wants to talk. Yeah. And the game isn't letting him. You have him. dialogue trees. Yeah. Like there are dialogue, not trees. It's not like Mass Effect, but like you have dialogue <laughs> options in this game. Yeah, you do. I mean, sometimes it's, it's three ways of saying yes, but like so- sometimes, <laughs> you know, you're having a conversation with Groose and it's like, here's three different insults you could throw at him. <laughs> and it also throws you into first person during that. So I don't know. I think like that, the characters and the story, I think, in this game are like genuinely great. Yeah, and it's for the people in my life who have finished this game, like the people who really defend Skyward Sword are the people that finished it. Because I think that there's mm-hmm. like a story worth seeing, but there's a lot to get through, to be honest. And like, to some of my feelings like in the opening hours I was like oh my god like this might be one of my favorite Zeldas secretly like I'm really loving this loving the vibe loving the story and then as soon as you fall to the surface it's like like it's like immediately it's like oh yeah here's everything I like actually blocked out of my memory dousing with fee is like truly from hell yeah I don't know why they thought that was fun it's not fun at all (laughs) it almost ruins the entire game like motion control is fine fighting goblins that are like a little to the left a little to the right vertical stab me instead like that's fine I yeah plants that have diagonal mouths cool i'm i'm, <laughs> I'm slashing around and having a fun time but like the the dousing which basically is like in between the scenes in the stories plot and temples like you first land you know you an event happens where it's basically like okay link is is the first chosen hero um, it's worth noting this is the first game in the Zelda timeline. So, like, this is the first Link, the first Zelda, the first Ganon-type entity. Yeah, which I I want to get into that more later. Yeah, please. But, uh, yeah. So, this is, like, very much the Phantom Menace of, uh, of Zelda. <laughs> and, maybe not. <laughs> There's a little bit I mean, of prequel energy. It's, yeah, it's like... It's the most Phantom Menace of most Zelda games, I would say. Yeah. Uh, maybe Phantom Hourglass, just because of the title. But, oh, yeah, uh, true. Uh, anyway, little like a whisper of prequels in the air for yeah, this game. Absolutely. 
but you basically like eventually learn you're the chosen one. I actually love that scene, like Link discovering he's the hero and Zelda's father, like very calmly explaining it. Because I think it's established pretty loosely that Zelda's father is probably like one of the few or maybe the only person in Skyloft who knows more about the world. Yeah. And is like kind of keeping it a secret in some ways. Yeah. Is he supposed to look like the owl from Ocarina of Time, by the way? He has to. If if not, like, what a coincidence. <laughs> well, I, I was going to say, because yeah. uh, maybe this is too in the weeds, but whatever. Uh, fun tangent. He looks like the owl. Uh, the guy who sells items in the bazaar looks a lot like the happy mass salesman. Beetle yeah. is just, like, straight up there. Yeah. Like, there are there are a lot of allusions to other characters. Even uh, the people who are training you. Um, I, f- I forget their names specifically. Um, but there's, like, the guy who runs the Knights Academy. And then there's the, there's the guy who's training you look a lot like uh oh man what 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 is the what is ganon the gerudo yes they have like kind of like gerudo energy about them yeah. um and i i think that's very interesting like it's definitely playing with that it's playing with oh totally, some yeah. visuals inspired by uh zelda's past or i guess future technically um which is interesting yeah i think it's cool to like they do have fun with the history. I do think I almost wish they went more in that direction because you don't always feel it. Like you, like you kind of have to remind yourself sometimes that this is the first game in yeah. the timeline. Yeah. Uh, other than like it being pre high rule, but like once you get to the surface, like you meet a Goron who uh, the Goron's funny because he has like these conspiracy theories about what Skyloft is like, and he starts off like he gets it really correct. He's like. I might sound crazy, but there's an island in the sky and there's people who live there that fly around on big birds. Like, yeah, you got it. And he's like, and and there's like the Garden of Eden. He's like, all the buildings are made of gold and there are pumpkin (laughs) patches as far as the eye can see. And it's like, he's like only kind of right. Uh, And then the more you talk to him, the less right it becomes. (gasps) Right. Um, so I, I enjoyed that. Um, I enjoyed that there are people who wonder what life is like above them. Yeah. Um, and you know, the same happening from above. Um, but yeah, when you get to the surface, like, um, so one of the big things that's different in the HD remake, that is like a godsend. Cause I, this, is this is without being mean, this is truly one of the worst parts of the original is fee. Your sidekick would like stop the game constantly, All like the time. really yeah. constantly to tell you things that are blatantly obvious. And like, I appreciate them, you know, like there is all the games that like could use a little bit more of like a tutorial in some ways, but like it, it's like you see like a log and like a, a visible path beyond the log. And it's like, okay, I can push the log and feel be like, you can push the log or even worse. Whenever you have less than three hearts, like the hearts are like flashing red. There's an alarm making going that horrible off. noise that it makes. Yeah. Yeah. It's making a horrible noise. And Link is like, you know, gasping. And then Fee would pause the game, be like, you have low health. Every time that happened, it's like, <laughs> Fee, trust that I hear the alarms. Yeah. Oh my God. It just, it sounds like I'm being nitpicky, but like it really was horrendous. And in this game, she's optional, but she's still around a lot. It, not in a way that really bugs me. Like, I don't mind the character really. I think it's kind of interesting that she has this almost like robotic like analysis of the world and it's like is is this poking at like is there technology that we aren't aware of yet that's like beyond us Mm -hmm. 
kind of like the Sheikah tablets and stuff. Yeah, I'm I'm very interested in why she sounds like a robot. Uh, right. <laughs> I, I, I think that's very. I think that's a fascinating character trait. Um, yeah, she definitely pops up less than she used to, and I and I wonder how much of my enjoyment of the game currently is based on how much she used to pop up in the past, and like having that frame of reference. Like, I wonder if you are a person who is playing this for the first time right now, how you'll feel about it. The biggest thing for me, though, the thing that like drove me up a wall the first time I played it, and I remember being frustrated by this. I remember even my dad being frustrated by this because he only <laughs> plays Zelda games. Just right. To, I don't think I've ever mentioned that on the show but like the only games he plays generally are zeldas and i remember him talking about this but every time you saved the game and turned the game off and then started it again the first time you picked up an item any kind of item any collectible any crafting material um, even even rupees like green red blue whatever you know any color of rupee it would pause the game and tell you like a little like text snippet about it and you know generally in zelda games that would happen the first time you ever picked a thing up and then never again because the game would know that you've seen that you know little pop-up before but in skyward sword it would happen literally every time you turn the game off and turn it back on um which is why my save file in skyward sword was like hundreds of hours past where i actually was because i just <laughs> left it on all the time right and i was so sick of it i was so sick of it at a certain point that i was like i'm just not gonna turn this game off anymore <laughs> um and i don't know it, that worked out for me, uh, I guess, then. Uh, but now, uh, it, it doesn't happen anymore. It just happens the first time. Yeah. It's great. If you want to see that text snippet again, you can hover over the object on the menu, and then you're good. But that that's a huge quality of life improvement yeah. for me. So that, on that side, and then on the fee side, is it fee or is it phi? I was trying to figure that out. I'm not sure. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not certain. I wonder if there is like an actual like canon answer to that. Yeah, I can look it up real quick. Hello, Steven. Did you know that if you need to find out some information, a helpful thing to do is to look it up? You should try it. Uh, okay, so I looked it up. I think it is Phi, actually. It's Phi. Um, wow. Yeah. So, yeah, Phi is, like, an interesting character. There's still a little bit of Phi's wrath in the game, though, that, like, so she's like, you know, you can always summon me if you have any questions. And then she, at one point, she's like, if you're fighting enemies, if you Z-target them and call me, I'll tell you a little bit about the enemy. Oh. So I did I didn't that. know that. And you know what she told me instead? What'd she say? That I have less than three hearts. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not kidding. It was like she knew the thing that drove me up a wall from 2011 yeah. and was like, Stephen, did you know you have less than three hearts? Which I almost appreciated. Like now I love Fi. <laughs> but anyway, um, so yeah, so you go to the surface, the, the dowsing, like I mentioned earlier, is like there's a, a, a function of the goddess sword is what they call it in the beginning, uh, which I, I believe becomes the master sword later on. But the goddess sword like can work as like a like metal detector guidance thing. A dowsing rod. Yeah. Where originally you're like, OK, like we need to find Zelda. We have like Zelda's tracking info somehow. <laughs> So pointing the sword around, it will like show you where Zelda has been and you can go in that direction. Yeah. Which is like, it's fine. Like it's not hard to do, but it's not especially interesting. And it goes on for like maybe an hour. Like there's an hour of the game where you're just, you like find Zelda's like trace and she's not there. But you meet a bunch of these forest creatures that have seen Zelda. And then the chief is like, you you better find all my friends. Otherwise, you're not going to get the slingshot in my back. Yeah. <laughs> OK, cool. <laughs> uh, so then you have to find all his friends with the dowsing. And it's it's just terrible. Like, it's really bad. <laughs> it's not fun. It goes on forever. It's saved by how beautiful the environments are. And like, it's fun to explore. And it's a little bit of like dungeon energy with like, you know, figuring out how to navigate certain environments. I don't even mind uh, 
there's motion controls for like balancing on a rope, but that's fine. Mm -hmm. But man, it does it overstay its welcome. And it just feels unnecessary. It's like we could have just gone right to the temple. We already have like our vignette with uh, the Goron. Like we don't need more stuff before the temple. And you know, it's going to come back a lot more like it it, It does. Yeah, yeah, it's it's not just like, okay, well, we got the dousing rod side of this game out out of the way. Let's let's move on to the temples like that thing's going to come back a lot, which I think is going to be interesting. Should we talk about the controls a bit? Cause yeah, sure. I have, I had thoughts the first time I played the game and then I had what I thought were pretty complete thoughts the second time I played the game. And then this morning I played the game for a couple more hours and I have a completely new set of opinions. Uh, uh, okay, great. So I'm, I'm, ve- I'm very interested to talk about this. So I, I guess as we mentioned earlier, the game launched with Wii Motion Plus, uh, which I think was a requirement to play this game, if I'm not mistaken. I think you needed Wii Motion Plus to be able to play this yeah. game. I believe so. Because so much of the game is, as you mentioned before, you know, there are enemies like a like a piranha plant looking guy uh, will have a mouth that's either, you know, horizontal or vertical, uh, which means that you need to either slice horizontally or vertically to be able to cut the thing's face in half. And and there are diagonals. You pretty much like, uh, you know, eight points, like eight, eight point compass kind of thing. So you can slice yeah. in any of eight directions. Uh, you can also stab like just straight on. Um, and all of that was essentially achieved via Wii Motion Plus, which is like a one-to-one scenario. Wherever your hand went is where Link's sword went. How do you take that concept and map it to the Switch? I think was, you know, probably question number one when you're sitting down and saying, I want to do an HD re-release of this game. I think it would have been much easier for them had the Switch Lite not existed uh, because I think the Switch Lite is what complicates things a lot. Switch Lite yeah. does not have Joy-Cons that you can you know take off and use uh, like Wiimotes. Uh, and because of that, that means that there need to be button controls specifically. Like there need to be ways to play this game with just the button controls. And I think there are pros and cons to pretty much every control scheme that you can put together in this game. So technically there's like a button only controls section uh, of the menu, you know, if you're playing with a pro controller or if you're playing with a switch light or something, or if you're playing, you know, a regular switch, but in handheld mode, not breaking the joy cons off, there's button only controls. And then there are motion controls, which honestly, like just truly like operate almost exactly like they did on the Wii. Um, yeah. the Wii, for those of you who might need a refresher or maybe never knew, uh, you had a Wiimote in one hand that was linked with like this cable to another thing in your other hand that was called the nunchuck. And, and the Wiimote had like a D pad on it and a bunch of buttons and a trigger. And then, the the uh, the nunchuck had an analog stick and a couple other buttons on it that you could press as well. And you would use the Wiimote to kind of like slash your sword around and you would hold up the nunchuck to bring your shield up. Um, but you were using the analog stick on the nunchuck to run around. And that was how it worked on the Wii. In this game, if you're playing with the Joy-Cons, it's pretty much the exact same thing. One of the Joy-Cons is the Wiimote. One of the Joy-Cons is the Nunchuck. And it's like almost one-to-one. The huge benefit to the motion controls in this case is that you have an extra analog stick because each Joy-Con has an analog stick, which means that the right analog stick is used to control the camera like every game you've played in the past, like maybe even two decades. Um, (laughs) Which yeah. is nice. It's it's great to have. I, yeah. I, I want to make that very clear. I think like right out of the gate, if you are interested in playing this game, if you have the switch, like the base level switch, and you can use the Joy-Cons uh, off of the switch, 
try this because I think immediately it's the most interesting and like probably best uh, way to play this game. I think having the right analog stick as a camera is awesome. The yeah. the motion controls work way better than I expected them to. And you can recalibrate so easily. You just push Y. That's like a huge game changer Exactly. As well. And do you yeah. remember how you needed to recalibrate the Wii Motion Plus? Yeah, man. Back in 2011 when the Dewey Decimal System was still active, <laughs> uh, you had to put the Wii, the Wii Motion Plus that I spent $30 on, which in college was like, might as well be like my life savings. Right. Yeah. Uh, that was lunch <laughs> for the whole month. Yeah. <laughs> you had to put it like flat on the table and wait like 15 seconds yeah, yeah. for it to like recalibrate. With yeah, the, you needed to the, flip it upside sensor. down on a table. Yeah, uh, yeah. And, and leave it there until it recalibrated. And it and and you would need to do that. I would say like a couple times per session. Uh, yeah, you know, which was like wildly infuriating. Yeah. In this game, when you're using the Joy-Cons, you just press the Y button at any time and it recalibrates. Wherever you're pointing at that moment becomes the center of the screen. Um, and I'll be honest, it drifts a whole lot. Like, it, it, you need to press the Y button a lot while you're playing, but it's so easy to do that it doesn't even matter. Yeah, it just kind of becomes right. second nature. Like, it's, it doesn't get in the way really at all. Exactly. So that's the, that's the motion control side. I think it's good. I, I like it a lot. When I first started playing the game, I was most curious about the button controls, like knowing that there are people in my life who have a Switch Lite, um, knowing that I prefer to play with the Pro Controller whenever the option is available. Um, I was really curious what the button-only controls were going to be like, and I found them to be iffy. I like them enough but I didn't love them. Um, and, and the thing is that the right analog stick is now tied to the sword. That's kind of the biggest thing is that instead of using the right analog stick to move the camera, you push the right analog stick in whatever way you want Link to slash his sword. Um, so it's kind of mapping that Wii Motion Plus thing. But again, it's only eight directions, so it's pretty easy to map to a, 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 an analog stick. If you want to move the camera, you have to hold the L button, which is like the L1, I guess. Uh, you have to hold that button down and then the right analog stick becomes like a normal camera control. And I I had a hunch, I think early on, that I would get used to that. I, th I think if you're playing through this game on a Switch Lite or if you're like really against motion controls, which like I very much, there's some people who like just hate them. There's some people who like for accessibility reasons can't do it. Like I, I understand there are a lot of reasonings to not want to do the motion controls. This game is so playable with the button controls. I've seen some reviews that are like, you know, definitely go motion controls. Button controls are terrible. Don't even try them. I think they're worth trying. If it's your only option or if, you know, you're, you're just like interested in it, I think try both. My first session with it, I was like very iffy on it. And then trying motion controls was like, oh, my God, breath of fresh air. This is obviously how you're supposed to play this game. Um, and I think for most people, I would say that that's the way you should play the game if given the option. But I revisited the game with button controls today in this session, uh, specifically because like I was out in the Farron woods. I was fighting a bunch of enemies. I was like really exploring the environment, doing real like legend of zelda e shit uh in this session and i was like i want to see how the button controls feel and honestly i really got a handle on them and i think yeah. that was like a kind of game changer for me i don't know if i'm going to go back to motion controls i might in certain instances like if i'm going up against a boss where it's like maybe being able to point at the screen will be a lot better for me in this scenario uh but for most situations i've i've now found the button controls to be like perfectly fine i think there are like drawbacks to both ways yeah, of playing I, I the agree. game definitely yeah um, but the button controls are not as bad as I initially thought they were going to be. So it really is going to be up to the individual player. I just wanted to make that clear because like I've seen a lot of talk about this game, you know, coming hard down on one side or the other. I think there's a little bit more nuance there depending on your own personal play style. I am starting to like the button controls a lot more than I thought I was going to. And, and I did. 
as of yesterday, I didn't think that that was going to be my take. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I would say the one big advantage the button controls have is that to see, so like you said, there's eight directions you can slash in and then there's the stab to stab with the button controls. You click the joystick Yeah. with the motion controls. You have to thrust forward and that almost never works. That is like the one thing it very that like, frequently reads as you slashing downwards. Yeah. yeah. And I, I, I also blocked that out of my memory and like I got a game over against a Skulltala, which like <laughs> for those Zelda fans out there, a Skulltala shouldn't be the reason for a game over. Yeah. <laughs> like, cause you have to swing them around and then there's a glowing spot on the back and you have to like thrust that, but there's like momentum on the s- silk of the spider <laughs> and you get hit back if you don't thrust. Yeah. Infuriating. All that to say, I want to take a step back and, and actually like, I'm not lying. I am enjoying this game. I think in terms of my recommendation though, I would say like, if you're a Zelda fan, who has not played this game, I think it's absolutely worth experiencing. There's oh, yeah. a lot going on in this game that is unique to Skyward Sword that is really a joy. And again, like people say this is the worst Zelda game. It's still it's still a Zelda game. And I don't think it's the worst. I would say it's somewhere like I really want to champion this game and it makes it hard <laughs> to do that. Yeah, no, I know it's like uh, but I, it's, it's a good game. Like, uh, don't, if you don't compare it to others, all the games, like it is, it is more fun than most games I've played. But like the minute you say like, oh, should I recommend this over like literally any other 3D Zelda? Like probably not. Like, I don't right. know. Like, um, like, but, but if but you're again, a person who has a Nintendo switch right now and you loved breath of the wild, like what are your other options? Yeah. It's still like, it will put a big smile on your face in the good moments. And like, there's a really, really great soundtrack, a really wonderful story, beautiful world. And it's fun to play. Like the combat is like well thought. Like they, I think it's less of the game's fault and more just like motion controls will always kind of be like this, you know, mm-hmm. like I think we just learned that it's like not like super fun sometimes. <laughs> um, but the game does about as well as you can with those like limitations. One other critique, though, which I think is like something that I I remember feeling initially and I still feel now goes back to dousing a little bit. Dousing essentially fills the place that like riding on your horse, climbing a mountain or sailing in Wind Waker would. Mm. It is the in between moment. And that like I'm like screaming at the game that like you're in the sky. Like, why not have fun with that? This game completely forgets that it takes place in the clouds. And like, oh, that comes back in a big way, though. If, I, I don't know if you if you remember this from 2011, but uh, <laughs> eventually you end up back in Skyloft and you fly your bird around to like there are all these islands like way far oh, out in the sky. Yeah. They kind of bring it back in almost a Wind Wakery way where you can kind of go explore all these islands at, at your own uh, pace, essentially. That's true. It is. It always felt a little small. Like it felt like a little bit. I do think in. it feels, you know, I mean, smaller than Wind Waker, which is probably for the best in some cases, honestly. Yeah, because like flying isn't super fun, but I just like conceptually, I'm just like kind of like amazed that like it feels like I feel like because there was a lot of critique against Wind Waker that sailing took too long. And I feel like they really took that to heart when designing like this game, mm-hmm. like, but almost to a fault where it's like, I wouldn't mind getting a sense of like how big, like how vast the sky is. It's, yeah. it's the sky. Like it's, it should be. <laughs> I don't mind being here. Like I would have. And this is like, this is like a different game at this point. But like it would have been cool to see like the time of day change or like the weather, mm. or, you know, just like have some kind of dynamic with the sky like any other 
sell the setting has had. You know, there's always been that sort of like dynamic element, uh, you know, Link to the Past has the dual worlds, obviously. Uh, Minish Cap has like the, you know, shrinking down. I would have liked to see, I mean, even as simple as like, you know, Ocarina when it's nighttime, like skeletons come out, like it just would have been cool to have something like that when you're flying around because it really just sort of feels like it's there. Yeah. Yeah. That And and really, I think another thing with this game is like there are three places that's that's the other big caveat is right. like once you break once you go to this like rumored mythical surface it's like a forest a desert and another place yeah it's like and a lava like, one that's it yeah. yeah i think i think there might be a snow one but it's still like maybe that means that there's only four places but it's like right it's not very big yeah yeah so you know all that to say like it's i i do i do want to like see more of it i i am enjoying it and and one really good thing about this game is that like like i said before music characters design story all great the dungeons are wonderful but the the design of the dungeons and like the boss fights that are there while they're still very much occupying the place of like a get an item use that item in the dungeon yeah they're twisting it enough and and the layout of the dungeons is like thoughtful enough that like the dungeons are always really fun and really gratifying to pull off and i think and this is something i was getting to earlier is like in a post breath of the wild world there's like actually kind of a appetite for this type of zelda game ironically yes a lot of people i've seen a lot of people hope that there are dungeons and temples in breath of the wild too Mm -hmm. and like i could take it or leave it as we discussed a lot on our bonus episode about breath of the wild that game kind of interpreted the dungeon formula into the entire map you know, like the yeah. whole map is a big dungeon and then you get a little bit of that like puzzle flavor with the shrines. But I understand like there is a place for the singular dungeon that has a theme and that's why it was the formula for so long. Yeah. <laughs> it's just funny. Like they, The minute they change it up, people are like, I want to go back to that. It's like, of course. <laughs> um, but I, I do think that like all that to say, you know, everything we brought up is worth critiquing, but I think Skyward Sword is still a really lovely game. It's a good Zelda game and it's worth your time if you're curious uh, but you know, it, it falls short in some areas, but like it's doing enough unique to it that I think it's worth checking out. I think so too. I, I, I am, yeah. I'm very excited to be playing it again and I'm very excited yeah. to like, hopefully actually get to the end this time. Um, yeah. one thing I I've heard the end is really good. Um, yeah. I don't know how it ends. I don't know story wise, like what happens really, um, past where I played the first time, which is nice. I'm glad to have not been spoiled on any of that. I am very interested in this as the quote unquote, like beginning of the Zelda timeline. Um, right. The there are a lot of allusions to like I, I think specifically the opening of the game is you taking place in this wing ceremony, which is like a reenactment of things that have happened like way before you, which I think is very interesting because like, OK, this is the beginning of the Zelda timeline. And like, what's before that? Very curious about all of that. I don't know if the, I don't know if the game answers any of those questions. I guess we'll see eventually. But it feels like there is a prehistory to Zelda uh, that, I, that I'm curious about. All of that having been said, I think this is like definitely the best way to play this game and yeah totally unfortunately because of how nintendo operates it's pretty much the only way of playing this game as well unless you were like go to a retro store and buy a wii and a wii motion plus controller and a copy of this game (laughs) which is just like not possible for most people so like this is kind of your only way to play skyward sword which is i i think both a bummer but like it's a good package where i start to bounce off of this as like the only way to play this game, I think, is a discussion you and I had a couple days ago 
or maybe yesterday. I don't even remember. Oh, the game came out yesterday. So <laughs> it was yesterday. <laughs> My big thing with this game, honestly, the biggest critique that I, I would throw against it, it is akin to uh, a lot of the discussion around the Final Fantasy Pixel remasters. So just to kind of like get in the weeds there, uh, Final Fantasy, you know, one through six, all just beautiful pixel art games. And eventually they ported those games to other platforms, uh, specifically mobile and PC and things like that. And in the process redid a lot of that pixel art to be kind of more like line art like less pixel art and more line art um like line art versions of pixel art which was like very strange it didn't look very yeah. good and then they no. went in and like changed all the fonts and the ui and stuff which you know some of it is a necessary evil because you're you know moving it to mobile and you want it to be more accessible and that's nice it's good uh but honestly it just created this like really like clashy thing where like the art was no longer part of the reason you're playing those games where it used to be and and a lot of the discussion about the pixel remasters and the fact that they're taking these mobile ports and bringing them closer to what they were like on the Super Nintendo and the NES and things like that is this idea that that original pixel art was specifically drawn to be shown on CRT TVs. Like it was it was drawn to be blurry and have scan lines over it. And they knew that CRTs would kind of like blur that art to have more detail than were than what was actually like shown in the pixel art. Like if you were to just look at the pixels themselves, you would see a very different thing than if you actually looked at it on the monitor that it was supposed to be shown on. And weirdly enough, I haven't seen this with any other 3D game that I know of at the moment. But Skyward Sword is, I think, maybe the best example of this in a more modern setting. You know, like you can look at side by side comparisons of, you know, Final Fantasy on the Super Nintendo on a CRT and the way the pixel remasters look or just the pixel art in general, if you were to like emulate it. And it's like a night and day difference between what the sprite looks like, you know, isolated and what it looks like on a CRT. I think that Skyward Sword was also very much designed with that same mentality. So to be clear, the, the Wii generally would output at 480i. I think was the resolution and I think you could get like an HD cable that would bump it up to 720 maximum but still like it wasn't really made to be seen on like HD TVs you know like most of the HD TVs that were being sold around 2011 were like 1080p stuff and that was like kind of hard to get your hands on even then which is wild to think about but that said this game kind of tries to do a Wind Waker thing, right? Like Wind Waker was built with this idea that like the GameCube isn't this like graphical powerhouse, but we want this game to stand the test of time to always look beautiful. So we're going to build an art style around what's possible on the GameCube hardware that won't age. Like Wind Waker has not aged. It still looks incredible. (laughs) Even when they went in and did the like HD remake of that game for the Wii U, they really just added bloom lighting to what was already there. Like it, (laughs) it still looked fucking awesome. Um, And if you were to go like emulate that game right now, like it looks great. The interesting thing about Skyward Sword is that I don't think they went all the way with that idea. Like they got halfway there. So the big thing about this game is that uh, from an art direction standpoint, it's really inspired by like French Impressionism and like post-Impressionism. So like Monet and Van Gogh and people like that, Um, you know, a lot of like just kind of like splotches of color used to illustrate, you know, more tangible concepts, you know, so like a bunch of different shades of green will be leaves on top of a tree, things like that. The way that worked on the Wii was that the further away you were from things, the more those things way in the distance would look like impressionistic paintings. And the closer you were, the less they looked like that. It was kind of like a bokeh effect in a way, you know, which which is like cool that they did that on the Wii. And it looked fucking awesome. Like, go look at video of that game running on the Wii. 
and it looked amazing. Like they nailed that idea yeah. and it really worked and it especially worked for that hardware on the kinds of monitors that they expected that hardware to be plugged into. What's interesting about the HD remake of this game is that they try and do that and I think it does not achieve the same effect. Like, like it doesn't even get close, honestly. If you're in Skyloft and you're looking at like a building all the way on the other end of Skyloft, they try and do that same effect. They try and have that same like impressionistic effect, but it doesn't look the same. And and I think that depth isn't as strong. Like there's like a, a more like hardcore depth of field effect added to the Wii version than there is now. And you know that like just looking at it, you can feel that the reasoning for it is we can render more of this space Therefore, we don't need to rely on that like impressionistic kind of bokeh effect for things that are blurry in the background. And that actually removes some of the like art direction. I think that was inherent to what made that game beautiful yeah. on the Wii. It's like it's my one huge criticism of this game <laughs> is that I, I looking back on it. I loved the way it looked. I loved that idea of going after impressionism as like the, the artistic direction for the game. And it doesn't work as well when translated to HD. I have to imagine a lot of these textures were also up using like AI and things like that. And in some cases, like those textures up close just look really bad still. And the big thing for me is that Link and I think most of the enemies, uh, if not all of the enemies, I think just like any character model, whether that be like an enemy or an NPC or whoever, have these like really high poly count character models that they've like definitely completely reworked. It looks like. And they clash really hard with that art style as well. Like yeah. if, you, if you look at Link standing on the grass with like the sky in the background and a mountain and stuff, he looks so out of place. It's really strange. <laughs> um, even the way the shadows lie is strange. Yeah, it reminds me a little bit of FF7 Remake where it's like Cloud and Tifa are like stunning, like <laughs> yeah. ultra realism. And then some townsperson is like from Tony Hawk underground. Right, like, right, 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 right. Know, and, like, and the background is like straight up like the most compressed JPEG you can get out of Photoshop. <laughs> yeah. It's um, like, what is happening? I'm interested to see if they fix that in in Integrate. I haven't I haven't gotten to that point in Integrate yet, but I'll, I know I'll get there. that the there was a, there were many articles about a door that had better textures. It was like <laughs> I think like the first moment you really because like the opening of F7 remake, you know the original the original remake. Here we are. <laughs> Like just stunning, nonstop. Like the Mako reactor mission, like you're not getting any of that. And as soon as you get to Sector Seven, you start to see the like compressed JPEG texture on a door mm -hmm. that has been fixed. In my time with Intermission, I also didn't really notice it. There's definitely like a priority given to certain characters in certain locations than others. Like yeah, the slums still. I guess I don't know if it's meta or not, but the slums still get like the least attention. Yeah, you know, in terms of like the fidelity, but definitely not as noticeable. Like that's good. I I do think though, there's that scene with the flowers, and apparently the flowers are still an issue for some reason. Uh, yeah, but, I don't you know. know. I keep I keep looking. I keep seeing tweets about the flowers. And I look at them. I'm like, I don't think that these look bad. I don't. I maybe it's just me. <laughs> um, but the, but that's I think I think that goes to show kind of what I'm trying to describe here with Skyward Sword. Like yeah. the, the flowers in Final Fantasy VII Remake to me look like they they mesh with the overall direction of the art in that game. Like it all kind of blends together and it has like one cohesive idea. And Skyward Sword HD 
kind of removes that cohesion from what was there in the original. Um, yeah. You know, I, I think this is like a larger conversation that you could have about going a bunch of different directions. I'm currently playing the Judgment uh, like upgrade. So I have like the 4K version of Judgment compared to the original. Uh, and they add like ray tracing and all this stuff to it. And it removes some of the like authored artistic intent behind some of the like lighting placements and things like that because they're like, oh, we don't need to have a light floating here in the game anymore because we can just render it all with ray tracing, you know, automatically it's going to look more realistic. When in some cases that light was placed there to like elicit a, a mood or a vibe on the scene. Yeah. And I feel that way about Skyward Sword HD as well, where like something has been lost in the way that this game looks visually. I want to be very clear. I think it looks fucking stunning still. Like I still really like it. I, I'm enjoying being here. I like exploring these environments. I think Skyloft is like a wonderful place to be. It's very colorful. It it's very vibrant. I think it's going to look rad on the OLED switch for yeah, the people who absolutely. pick that thing up. But there's watching videos of this game side by side with the original Wii version, I do feel like something has been lost here. And it's very interesting because a lot of the videos that I've watched that are those side by side comparisons are like the Switch version looks so much better. And I'm trying to I, I promise I'm not trying to be a contrarian. I just feel like it, it, no, su- it makes sense. It suffers that same thing that the like the pixel art to uh, CRT thing suffers from. No, I, I think it's a brilliant point. And, and the term you keep using is authored. I think that's sort of the heart of it, where it's like this is intentionality and design that's yeah. being kind of erased. I mean, it kind of goes back to what we talked about a lot with the Game Boy Advance episode we did. And just like that generation kind of alongside the GameCube, it's like when you have these limitations, it weirdly creates style because you have to work around it. Yeah. I also remember, I think there was an interview with uh, Alex Ross, who's a comic book artist who does like unreal watercolors, yeah. you know, like the most like hyper realistic watercolors. You've seen like, his work before. I mean, he, yeah. is, he is like the guy. Yeah. You've seen Superman kind of an unflattering outfit like looking up proudly like that's Alex Ross (laughs) he captures like what it actually would look like to wear a superhero outfit which is kind of like it's the next generation jumpsuits yeah Yeah. but he in an interview he was talking about how like he's like I have the luxury of time to make these kind of paintings this is not better or worse than someone who has like two weeks to do an issue for a comic and like yeah working under those not that like obviously that kind of bleeds into crunch but like having to finish under a deadline i think having time as a limitation can also influence style and intention of yes. like okay and what is the and also what even you know separate from deadlines and and limitations but like what is the intended look of this not everything is going for realism nor not everything should i mean time and time again we see games that go for realism age the next year poorly i love mass effect but like every human in that game is like <laughs> neighbors to oblivion npcs yeah. of like uncanny valley but yet the aliens look great you know rex and garris like they still look wonderful mm-hmm. and the games like wind waker that had this intentionality in their design are ageless and again like it's also inevitable sometimes like technology will change and things will maybe not hold up but i think that like just defaulting to high res high def you know, we had the technology, let's make it all flashy isn't always the path to choose. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think if there was a way to capture that, that, that concept that like was born of technical limitations from the Wii version and bring it in here, like they almost nailed it. It gets close enough that it's noticeable that they didn't nail it. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. And, Cause I think you yeah. still see that in the, um, in the environment textures, like it looks like it was painted. It almost reminds me of final fantasy 12 where like a lot of that game had like kind of yeah. hand drawn lighting in, in like the environment. So it almost like had this, it had a very distinct visual style to it. Yeah. It's, it's fascinating, man. I mean, I feel 
feel like you and I could talk about Skyward Sword for like hours and hours. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, we haven't even really talked about like some of the narrative stuff that's going on. Like it's it's really, really a cool thing. If you haven't experienced it, like it's definitely like pick it up. If you're interested yeah. in Zelda games, if you've ever liked any like prior Zelda game to Breath of the Wild, like you'll probably like this. Absolutely. And I think the loop of even though like revisiting the locations is a little bit tiring, the loop of going back to Skyloft is always nice. Yeah. Because a weird thing to praise, but I think it's worth pointing out. This is like the one Zelda game where I buy things. Like <laughs> rubies actually matter because your shield break. So you have to like get, you know, I always bring like two shields with me. Yeah. And you can also upgrade your shields. This game did a lot of things. I think you said this earlier with like really the stuff that was being tested in Link Between Worlds and Skyward Sword led to Breath of the Wild. Right. Because this is the first game to have like stamina while you're climbing things. It even has the kind of the hand glider. It's not fully implemented yet, but you have like yeah. a parachute basically. And also like Wind Waker was, I think, the first to do this, but you have sort of like a hunter-gatherer RPG system where like you find like spoils from the enemy that you can use to upgrade things. Mm-hmm. Like that all works really well and there's a reason to go home and you feel like really like connected to Skyloft more than really any other place. And that's kind of the issue. But Skyloft, they like killed it. Like Skyloft is great. And yeah. uh, the relationships between Link and Zelda and Groose, A plus. Yeah. Uh, wonderful time. I'm, I'm very excited for more Groose. Dude, unbelievable character. Like he, one of the first things he does is sort of circle Link like he's a detective. And I like lost it. I'm like, what is happening? Because he's like, <laughs> the first thing that happens is he's like a Gaston type or like his two like LeFou type characters yeah. like massaging him. And then he's like, what's your deal anyway? And he's like scratching his chin like he's Sherlock Holmes, like or Herlock Sholmes, if you will. Uh, <laughs> unbelievable character. There's something about benign bullies that just like lifts my soul to a higher plane of existence yeah and his without spoiling his role in the story is really cool it's great i won't say anything else stick around for more gruce it's a good time yeah i i'm very glad to not know what happens to gruce i, th- I think yeah that, i think that's exciting because it could really go in any direction right like there's no telling <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I'm not even going to say what my theory is, uh, just in case yeah. it's right. I don't want to, like, accidentally spoil something. I will say, secret uh, standout character for me, which you, if you go watch the YouTube, you'll you'll pick up on this. I'm obsessed with this one guy who lives on Skyloft named Fledge, who is, like, the most, like, not even tertiary, whatever the whatever the number four version of tertiary is. Yeah. Character. Just there. Yeah. He teaches you how to pick up and put down objects, and I am... <laughs> completely obsessed with him like you yeah. you roll up on him he's not allowed to go to the wing ceremony because he didn't qualify to like fly around on his bird uh so he has instead been ordered to stay inside he's not even allowed to attend and watch he has to pick up some barrels and like bring them to the kitchen but like it's gonna take him so long it's gonna take him all day um and you can um, you know that that's your cue to like pick up the barrels and like help him out but the face that he has when you pick the barrels up destroyed me playing this game. <laughs> I I lost my mind because I picked up this barrel I started walking and he just he doesn't turn to look at you he just stares off into the distance with this like totally blank stare you can tell that he's just like thinking about all the choices that he's made in his life that have led up to this point where like he's not good enough to join the wing ceremony he has to pick up these barrels and bring them to the kitchen it's gonna be heavy it's gonna take him all day he mentioned it once to some guy who is going to the wing ceremony he immediately picks up the barrels and moves them for him it's like oh my god brutal a brutal life (laughs) fledge has lived and then a huge twist a huge reveal your bird goes missing at some point i won't say you know the the whole deal 
Fledge knew that your bird was missing the whole time. When you helped him pick up those barrels and put them in the kitchen, he knew that you wouldn't be able to attend the wing ceremony because your bird oh was God. missing. He was complicit the whole time. Fledge betrayed oh. us. I was I was blown away. That little bit of characterization like really <laughs> fucked me up. Uh, and it's so funny, too, because like the the Fledge having known where your bird was the whole time, I think is like the most like passing whatever statement yeah, that happens. Right. Like it's absolutely nothing. It's only funny to me because I had that reaction to you him. You invested so much in him. Yeah. yeah I, uh, what a payoff. Great. That's going to be the reason that I love this game is like just what happened with Fledge in the first hour. <laughs> that That is something, though, that like I think a lot, especially the 3D Zelda games, they have like so many non sequitur NPCs that oh, yeah. are so endearing, like so much fun. Yeah, it's, yeah. The kid who teaches you how to get to Beetle Shop, I think, is really great. Yeah. He's just like so upset that you went to Beetle Shop without him and you bought the <laughs> net that he wanted to buy. It's so funny. We were talking before, too. I like how Beetle shows up pre-civilization and post-calamity, and that's it. One of our earliest bits on this show was that there's a fourth piece of the Triforce and that it belongs to Beetle. He, he's, yeah, for bargains. It, yeah. was, it was courage, power, wisdom, and bargains. And bargains, yeah. He, he's Yeah, the power of capitalism. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I love I love all the recurring characters in this game. I think it's very interesting, um, and I'm I'm excited to explore more of it. Uh, honestly, as soon as we're done recording, I'm just going to go play more. I think. Yeah, I'm excited to play more too. I think like my you know again we start this episode by saying like this is often considered the weakest Zelda game or the weakest like mainline Zelda game. And my mission in revisiting it was like to kind of prove that wrong. And I think I have. I do not think it's the worst, and I don't even think it's a bad game at all. I think it's a really good entry. I think that the DS games are the worst Zelda. <laughs> I think Skyward Sword is a great time. I would say it's like somewhere in the middle for me. You know, if, if I had to rank the Zeldas, I would not put it above like the other 3D entries. That being said, I think that like this is a game that I, I, I think I will go back to sooner than other entries. Like I would never say that this is better than Ocarina or Majora, but I think like currently I'm like more apt to want to finish this and like replay those right now. Interesting. You know? Yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah, if, if I had to rank like the 3D ones, it's probably it's probably at the bottom. But like, again, amongst gods, basically, you know, and I think if you're a Zelda <laughs> yeah. game and you don't reshape the genre, you're considered a weaker entry, which is unfair. <laughs> I think that's unfair, too. I think I think I think the expectations we we hold Zelda games up to are, are almost unreachable. And it's amazing yeah. that they have reached those heights as many times as they have. But we can't expect it every time. But it is. Yeah, I think. And one more point, it's like going forward, it looks like the future the series is going to be like more using Breath of the Wild as the new template, much like Ocarina set the standard for the sort of middle era and Link to the Past set the standard for the top-down games. But then there's also sort of like the Octopath Traveler retro revival top-down Zelda games. So like, right. I really do think this era of like Ocarina to Skyward Sword is like probably gonna be like a little time capsule that's never like really recreated. Yeah. So there's something very precious about these games that I think will only grow as time goes on yeah i think so too uh yeah it's it's cool man it's a good game i'm excited to play more of it um i i expect us to talk about it again i think yeah, maybe later i imagine so yeah. um i don't know if it's like gonna be a bonus episode situation i don't know what our timing is gonna look like in terms of finishing this game but uh yeah i do know it's a longer one i know it's like especially long oh that's interesting <laughs> yeah. i didn't know that okay good to know good to know yeah but I, I would like to see I would like to see because I know the story is worthwhile from what I hear. So, yeah. You want to take a break and then come sure. back and talk about more stuff, Stephen? That sounds good to me. Hilger. <laughs> sounds good. Goodbye. Bye. Here's a tip. 
If you need to take a break from an activity you are doing, you should take a break. Let's try it now. We are back. Hi. On the show. Uh, we had a bunch of uh, things that we want to talk about. I mean, not a bunch. It's a couple. You want to talk about Guilty Gear again. What's going on with Guilty Gear? <laughs> I feel like I just got to, yeah, I'm here. Uh, I <laughs> did, you, did you have a fleeting moment where you wondered if, if Guilty Gear was your destiny? <laughs> It's not. I, just, I don't think it is. I I I, well, excuse I like me. I like hearing about Guilty Gear. Is all I'm saying. Okay, I'll say this. I've been getting pretty good at Guilty Gear. Like, Man, it sounds like even it. better than I was last week. And a rising it star. Fe- it feels like a little bit of the like uh, Alexander Wept scenario. I mean, I'm not there <laughs> yet. Like I. I Next time I play, I'm probably going to go down the floor and get my ass kicked. But um, I'm on the eighth floor now. It is the first mm-hmm. red floor uh, yeah. in the ranked place. So so it's quick I guess, recap. Eight out of ten specifically. Eight out of ten. Yeah. Hell Lion or Hellion. I'm not sure. It's Hellion, what it's called. Yeah. It looks like I'm in hell mm-hmm. uh, when I'm walking around as my avatar. Uh, it's been fun. I, I won't really talk about the game as much. I just another shout out to the discord. It's been really fun playing with everyone there. I've had a few more friends get the game. It sold half a million units already, which is like, that's pretty good. Yeah, really wild. I feel like I mean, this series is pretty well known, but I think because Ark did so well with Dragon Ball Fighter Z. I think a lot more eyes were on this game. It's just really nice. I, I didn't realize how much I missed having a fighting game that like a lot of people in my life are playing. Yeah. And I realized the reason I think I'm like playing it so often and really enjoying the experience is like there are a few, there are only a handful of things in life that you can like see yourself get better at. Mm. And it's such a joyful experience. Like it takes yeah. a lot, but like I feel this way with drawing too, where like, you know, when you practice, it's not linear. It's not like, you know, I, I draw for X hours and then suddenly my next piece is better. It might even be uneven where like I'll be drawing a ton for one month and all my stuff looks kind of weird. And then the next month I suddenly make something I'm really proud of. Like it just works that way. It's how life is. Yeah. But I do really like seeing that change happen. I'm struggling to find the right words for it, but I just think like really having a game where the emphasis is just like understand the mechanics, which is not something I normally gravitate towards. Like I feel like my interest in games is usually more atmospheric or narrative, but something about fighting games, like being like, we're going to be all about this one thing. It's all about just finding out how to play a character and doing well with them and seeing that discovery happen. Even like, like I've watched a couple of videos, but it's really just been from playing. I think it's a testament to the game being a little bit more accessible than in the past. And I'm saying really a little bit. Guilty Gear is not, they can do way better still (laughs) in terms of teaching you how to play the game. But I think like you will kind of understand like what's risky and what's not just by playing. And that's been so fun. This like really nice sweet spot of like not super competitive, like getting like heated, but like taking it seriously enough to like really get into matches. Like I was on the phone with my friend, we were playing and we were both like yelling during the match. I did an ultimate move where the character literally went into heaven to bring the (laughs) enemy back down to earth and like, you know, crush them. We were screaming. It was just so much fun. And I've just really enjoyed like really digging into it. Cause I haven't done that since probably 2011. 
going back to Skyward Sword, like not since like the Street Fighter for Marvel's Capcom days have I really like sought to understand a fighting game like Smash kind of, but it's just sort of like because our friends and I play it a lot, you know, like our, mm-hmm. you know, like it's like more of a social thing than like yeah, right. studying frame data, which I still am not really interested in doing. <laughs> but, you know, it is just like it's been a fun experiment. It's been also I've noticed that there's like a place in my life for a game that is OK. I have like an hour. I'm going to get a few matches in and like that is like a normal game experience if like a lot of people have <laughs> but I had yet to find like what mine is like I think that's destiny for a lot of people that's like a lot of different kind of games as service stuff but for me it's become Guilty Gear Strive and I've just been enjoying it a lot so I hope that means anything I just wanted to like share it. I'm on the eighth floor maybe just a, a humble brag this whole time <laughs> but uh, uh, I do want to stream it again because I think I have a much firmer understanding of the game and I would be excited to share that that's that's great yeah I I weirdly am having um, a a similar uh, trajectory in terms of like recognizing my own skill simultaneously with uh, Mario Golf of all things. Uh, (laughs) Hell yeah. I've I've been playing a lot of Mario Golf and a lot of Clap Hands Golf, uh, depending on if I'm like by my Switch or just on my phone and like watching something. Uh, I've been as those of you who listen to the show know I've been uh, watching The Sopranos recently and Clap Hands Golf is a perfect game to be playing. Uh, while watching the Sopranos, <laughs> Mario Golf weirdly not. I had a I had a bit where I was trying to play Mario Golf while watching the Sopranos, and strangely enough, Mario Golf is a little bit too involved for me mm. to feel okay about having that be the game I play while something is on in the background. Because there's there's that like there's that shift, right? Is like, do I want to be focused on the show I'm watching and the game just kind of happens, you know, alongside that? Or is the game more the focus and I want the show to be the background thing and I want to watch The Sopranos and Mario Golf is not a game that you can like be playing and also focus on the show. Clap Hands Golf, strangely enough, is very much that. It's very mindless, which I like. And uh, I don't I don't know where I'm going with this outside of like both of those games are great. So if you have Apple Arcade, go get <laughs> Clap Hands Golf. If you have the Switch and you're interested in a golf game mario golf is still pretty good i did just get a 2011 flashback about mario golf i have a distinct memory of being in my college dorm spring of 2011 going through something kind of rough to be honest but i was playing mario golf on n64 while listening to my bloody valentine and for some reason like those are forever linked in my head i hear like 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 yoshi putting very bizarre (laughs) but they they, uh if you're looking for a good companion piece to uh the uh, Dawn of Shoegaze. The original Mario Golf is a great companion piece. I'm surprised I haven't done that myself. I think that that's <laughs> next on my list. That's going to be my my game of the year this year. Um, <laughs> the other thing, honestly, just you know, on this strange tangent of like things that we've been getting better at, New York Times crossword puzzle. <laughs> oh yeah, for I've real? done it every day for like two weeks at this point. Uh, and I feel myself getting better at it, which yes. is really yes. exciting. Um, it's a cool feeling, it's nice. and it's yeah. it's like you would. You you would think you would feel that in most games. I think another big one is like Dark Souls, where it's that eureka of like, oh, oh my yeah. god! Like, and I think it's like you really have to design a game to give you that sort of like payoff or be enough of like a blank canvas that like like a skill like drawing. You just like will learn it and get better at it if you devote time to it. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's cool, man. It, it's really cool to have that type of experience. Yeah. What else did you want to bring up in this little weird section? Um, I, the the actual thing that I think is interesting to talk about. Um, 
I, uh-huh. I think, well, because I, I had two things I want to talk about. One of them was Boomerang X, which is like a game yeah. that I'm playing. There's a thing you brought up recently, and I, I forget what it was exactly, but you described it as uh, the culmination of advertising working. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was Monster Hunter Stories too. Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah, Boomerang yeah. X is kind of that for me, where like I've just heard about it on every podcast I listen to so much that I'm like, I should just check this thing out. And I didn't realize it was on Switch. It's on Switch and on uh, PC, like Windows PC. It's not on Mac, which I think is a big, it's a big issue because I would much rather be playing this on on Mac. I think. Oh, okay. But I'm playing it on Switch. Uh, I haven't played enough of it to really have like a full take on it yet. It's published by Devolver Digital. It's by a developer called Dang with an exclamation point. Essentially, is uh, I don't know, aesthetically inspired by like Quake or Doom, um, I, I would say, and involves you with this like magic boomerang in first person throwing it and then almost like dishonored, like uh, pressing the throw button again to like warp to wherever the boomerang is in space. At any point, you can like charge the boomerang and freeze time so you can like turn around and like show, you know, just kind of decide where you want to throw the thing. Um, And you have to take out a certain amount of enemies per like arena and the enemies will have like weak points on like the back so you can only kill them from the back and things like that. But you're like throwing the boomerang in the air, warping to it, throwing it again in the air, warping to it again. So you're getting up even higher it's like so frantic it's so fast and i don't know if the nintendo switch is the right place to play it uh has kind of been my experience so far i see a lot of i see a lot of potential in this game and i don't know if i'm going to achieve it on this platform unless i switch the motion controls which i'm a little bit ambivalent about doing um there is a specific kind of motion control that's built into this game from what i understand it's the first ever game to have it built in it's called flick stick and i don't understand it at all but apparently it's very exciting that it's in here uh i switched to it i was like i'm gonna give it a shot i want to see what the like whole deal is about flick stick because apparently people have been like building mods to bring flick stick controls into other things essentially it's kind of like the splatoon motion controls in a way if if that gives you any kind of idea where like you can move the controller around and that's the gyroscopic aiming and because that's happening the right stick makes it so any direction you point in you will immediately look in that direction um and it's so disorienting it's like i i have such a hard time using it i have no idea what's going on i was like i'm going to commit some time to like learning what flick stick is and like could not do it at all. Yeah, not for um, you. Yeah. So I'm just playing this game with like twin sticks with no motion controls and just seeing how it goes because I'm, I'm hoping that it's still enjoyable in that way because I just keep hearing people rave about it. Um, So I'll, I'll loop back to Boomerang X at some point. But the thing I want to talk about that I, th- I think is just fascinating. We don't even really have to like sit on it for too long, but uh, Steam Valve, I guess, announced a new console pretty much. Yeah. It's called Steam Deck. It looks a lot like the Nintendo Switch, but is like significantly bigger and is like essentially just a whole ass PC that you can buy. Uh, that's like a handheld gaming PC and you can play your whole Steam library on it. Apparently everything that you can buy on Steam works on it. And it's like cheap, not like cheap, cheap, but you know, it's like the OLED switch is $350. And if you paid $50 more, you would get the Steam Deck. And that's like <laughs> wild. That's like very impressive yeah. pricing wise. Yeah, I, I'm actually <laughs> kind of excited for it. I don't know if I'm going to get one I, I don't know if it's worth it for me currently but it's so exciting and honestly disturbingly what really is the determining factor is whether or not persona 4 golden comes out on switch that is like <laughs> dude be, you read my mind yeah, yeah. that is like the <laughs> reason because i think like it's interesting that there's a lot
lot of crossover between like games, like indie games that would get on Steam that also come to Switch. Yeah. And usually, like with some exceptions, like the game you just brought up, but usually like Switch feels like the place to play them. You know, like I just, I'm like, I'd rather have this like on the go or like yeah. uh, more, more accurately, like I just, you know, would like to have the option of playing it on the TV or handheld. Yeah. But to have, and now you and I have M1 Max, which like I can play Baldur's Gate 3, which yes, it's an early access and like <laughs> characters will move and their past self will remain where they used to be because yeah. it's an early access. But the game runs amazingly. Like it's not like when I tried to run Witcher 2 on my old MacBook and I heard like the sirens yell, you know, like it was <laughs> it was a seamless experience. But a lot of stuff just isn't developed for Mac still, you know, right. like it's not a matter of like, can it run it? It's like this wasn't made for Mac. So having the ability to like, and I I think you and I had this conversation. It's like, rather than building a gaming PC, I would just get this, you know, that's sort of like, that's my big thing. Yeah. And there are a lot of games that like, again, as we say often, PC is like our big blind spot every now and then there's a game that you and I really want to check out that is PC only, but like that doesn't happen often enough for me to like need to get this right away. Like the big one was Disco Elysium and sure enough, the definitive version is like on Mac now. So it's on Mac and it's also on consoles. So like, playable yeah yeah it feels like it's usually like do i want to wait a year until this is on switch so it's like yeah but the big thing and and some exciting news too there was the whole i think the 25th anniversary of persona yeah nothing concrete except for dates where they're like on this date we're gonna announce something really cool on this day it's gonna be even cooler yeah and I think, in I think august seven announcements between september of this year and it seems like september of next year yeah so like it's I think there's a lot of uh, question marks there, but it's exciting because it's like, OK, there are seven announcements. One of them is going to be good. One of them. Yeah. And all I really need is like Persona 4 Golden on Switch or some kind of definitive version of Persona 3 that combines the elements of Fez and the PSP version. I don't know if that will ever happen, but that's like the eternal wish of every Persona fan. Uh, and then, of course, if there's a Persona 6 in the works, that'd be cool just to know that it exists. Yeah, it, se- it seems like Persona 6 is kind of a lock if I had to get. I think that'll be like the next year announcement. And if any of the other ones are games like mainline persona games put on any system, I'm interested, you know, like even if it's still PC or whatever, you know, like if they're like persona three Fez is on PC, like that's cool. Uh, Even if it's not Mac, like I'm just happy that they're even thinking about it because you and I talked about this uh, a week or so ago, um, not on the show, but the persona Four golden steam version, I think has now sold more than persona Four golden did on the Vita in its whole lifetime, uh, which is, shocking and if atlas i imagine they're happy with that like i have to assume that that's that that's a thing they would like to see happen more than once so you know is the question then like oh shit you know proof is in the numbers let's throw persona 4 golden on other things or let's take this other stuff like five or three uh and put that out elsewhere one of the things i was thinking about interestingly was shimigami tensei 3 and i know it's like it's different teams between smt and persona but you know because they're both owned by atlas maybe there's some like shared engine situation some kind of shared code or whatever but shimigami tensei 3 feels a lot like persona 3 fez to me and i and i 
I wonder if that's a little bit like a let's get a game running on the switch and see how it feels like I I, I (laughs) wonder if if that's them just like seeing if they can take an old game from the PS2 and throw it on the switch and like make it work and if that's possible then maybe include some more stuff you know like yeah the original version of Persona 4 maybe not even golden or like you know Persona 3 or something I would love that I just I want that but anyway so the Persona stuff aside the Steam Deck I think is fascinating and Uh, I think for that door i apologize i know that, i I, that, I have to walk through it i need yeah. i need to i need to feel all the walls <laughs> and then turn back around and go out the door again um yeah. but but the, the thing about the steam deck that i think is wild is like I, I saw an interview with gabe newell where he was like very upfront about the fact that they're losing a shitload of money on these things because the price is so low um like if you were to build an equivalent pc to what the steam deck is that is not portable, <laughs> you know, that it's yeah. not shaped like a Nintendo switch. It would be more expensive than what you're getting or than what you're paying for the steam deck. And I think it's really just them trying to like prove that the product category is like viable, uh, that it's not a niche or not like super, super niche, you know, that like it's actually something that people would want to check out and play and like have a good time with. Um, the idea of taking like console quality games, like they showed Death Stranding running on this thing. They said Jedi Fallen Order runs at like high, high PC settings, like fine for like five to six hours on it. Like that's cool, man. That's like, that feels like the future. And one of the more interesting things I saw, uh, IGN did this thing that was like, you know, I I think like 30 burning questions we have about the Steam Deck. And the last one, I forget what the question was, but the answer implied that they want to open this kind of architecture up to third party developers. So like other companies, if they're interested, can make things like the Steam Deck as well uh, and license out Steam OS and like build their own version of this. And I would like to see that happen i think i I would like to see this kind of become a a more fully rich product category you know it it not just you know the nintendo switch and the xbox series and the playstation 5 and the steam deck but like steam deck isn't competing against those three it's its own whole line of ideas um you know where like different developers can go in different directions with it but all that said i mean i would love to get the steam deck i just am so wary of trusting valve with hardware um, specifically like meeting the demand of the hardware. And on top of that, we have a chip shortage. So like, yeah, I'm going to need to see like reviews of this thing and like hands on and like maybe talk to people I know who have pre-ordered one. Like I need to get a lot of information about this, uh, before I commit to it, but it is very enticing. We didn't even talk about the fact that it docks and, and the way that it docks is like they're building their own dock. that looks like a Nintendo switch dock, but there are also like, you could buy any USB C dongle, off Amazon and like plug a mouse and keyboard into it and it'll work um, is fucking cool. Yeah. Uh, I think that that's like so interesting because uh, as, as you were saying, like way more compelling to buy this thing than to build a gaming PC on the side of the Mac, which is the thing I'd rather be using for computing in general. Right. The concept of the steam deck is like really, really cool. And I, I'm kind of with you where like, I kind of need more information and yeah. like, it's just, it's like just got the PS five. Like I'm not ready. Like I wasn't ready to get a new switch. I don't know if I need a new system, but like, man, playing Final Fantasy 14 hand 
handheld sounds great. Uh, or, you know, yeah. like when I start to think about what games would be possible on that, I get very excited. Yeah. So, I mean, I could open up my Steam account and it's just like hundreds of games I got from like Steam sales and whatever over, you know, a decade plus. Like there's yeah. so many things in there that I would love to be playing all the time um, that I just can't currently. And some stuff that like I, I'm even like unsure of trying on the Mac. And there's a whole other aspect of this that we haven't even gotten into that I, I won't get too into. But like the handheld emulating community is like losing their fucking minds about this thing because for $400 you have what is essentially the most powerful emulation box like of all time. Yeah. Right. Um, and, and the speculation is that this thing would be able to like even potentially run, maybe not fully, but like run some PS3 games is like how far this goes above most handheld emulators that exist right now. Cause, cause competing handheld emulators that are trying to pack this much power are going for like a thousand dollars starting so this thing at 400 is like absolutely bizarre the the joke i keep seeing is that this thing is going to be better at running switch games than the nintendo switch because <laughs> appa- yeah. apparently I, I mean i'm not going to get into it but like apparently there's like a really fully featured switch emulator out there that is like pretty good uh and if you have the the computer that can run it like you're gonna have a good time with it and this thing like matches the specs that that needs and then some uh so that's like shocking i think uh, and I'll, yeah. I'll be really interested to see like that side of the internet and how they respond to this as well <laughs> but i do think like already immediately the fact that you and i are having this conversation about like maybe this is a thing and the amount of people in the discord who have pre-ordered one um and just the amount of people i follow on twitter who have pre-ordered one and people that you and i know who like aren't even pc gamers really who have like reached out and like asked about it or like are interested in it like it's making waves in the way that valve hardware usually does and they have failed enough times at providing that hardware that i feel like they they have to know that this is a much bigger deal than like making a vr headset for fifteen hundred dollars you know like this is right this is a much more consumer focused device less niche than a, a, a big vive headset (laughs) <laughs> and, and I would like I would like to see them follow through on it. I think that'd be really exciting if this became a thing. Yeah. I mean, and like you said, I think it's a yet another kind of baby step away from every five years, three companies make a new big box that you have to get. It's like, <laughs> right, exactly. You know, it's like, OK, there are now like more options for how you play games and there are various ways to get them. Uh, yeah. So like, that's cool. I think that I think that's probably the better reality to be honest you know i mean there's like both are kind of inherently neutral and you can like have dangers and evils in both avenues but i think that like i i I equate it's okay if i am really into movies and i want to spend the money on like a wildly fancy tv and get blu-rays of the movie or whatever you know choose Mm -hmm. your thing uh, i can do that but if i want to just watch a movie i don't need to do that right yeah it's like if i want to play games at the level i want to play them whether that's on a ps5 hardware where and like you know uh, unreal like ratchet clank stuff going on or i just want to like you know whatever whatever will work i think that having that option for the consumer is ultimately a good thing because yeah. it's, again it's not like again we criticize the sony model 500 dollars the system 70 dollars for all our first party games and that's just your life thank you very much <laughs> uh no nah. oh, yeah thank you. there are i mean a little bit of a tangent. There are some rumors recently. Uh, I mean, not a rumor. Bloomberg did a report on Netflix and how they want to get into gaming soon. They want to do like game streaming. And there have been some rumors that in the code for the Netflix app, they've seen like screenshots and art for Ghost of Tsushima in there. Interesting. Um, 
which is like maybe they're just using that as like a test case to show like what the art would look like on the game pages or something like that. But if you're to follow the like most, you know, uh, Occam's razor kind of uh, conclusion to that is like this is how Sony gets into game streaming uh, via Netflix through like some huge fucking deal. Then that's that'd be wild. Yeah. Anyway, outside of that, I I think if I got this thing, I would play a lot more games on PC, quote unquote. You know, I'd play a lot more games on Steam Deck than I would on other platforms if given the option. Yeah. I wonder if if I got this, if I would need my Series S anymore. That's sort of what I'm thinking, where it's like, yeah, I love Series S and I love Game Pass. And that's sort of like my Series S is sort of like my indie console. Weirdly, that and mm. Switch is like where I get those games or try out stuff on Game Pass. But yeah. um, well, here's the thing, like the Steam Deck is a PC, right? Like you right. could go open a browser and play xcloud like you could play game pass through xcloud on this thing and it will work and they've already confirmed that like that's cool by itself and then on the other end microsoft is like very interested in supporting pc like that's a thing that they want to be doing right now and for all intents and purposes it seems like uh they are also open to you installing things like the epic game store and the microsoft store and things like that on there so you would be able to like play the next forza horizon or whatever uh the pc version of that on this device so i i feel like you know a lot of people are positioning this thing against the nintendo switch but like the thing you should be positioning against maybe is the xbox i think you might yeah. be right on that front. yeah just because like you can get game pass on it you know and that's yeah. like the the main thing i use it for yeah but again 25th anniversary if persona 4 golden <laughs> doesn't come out that's really gonna be it yeah all this stuff about the future of streaming second to whether or not me and Kanji can hang out on the Switch. I, I, I said this to you when they announced this Persona thing, but there's a, the first announcement uh, is in September and it has like a yellow icon and a lot of people are like, you know, this is Persona 4 related. Yeah. Who knows what it's going to be, but it's right. Persona 4 related probably. And if it's Persona 4 Golden on the Nintendo Switch, I will absolutely... I, I have gone from, you know, maybe a, a 5 out of 10 to a 10 out of 10 on buying the OLED Switch. Uh, because mm. then at that point, it becomes the Vita 2, and I've lived <laughs> my dreams entirely. As soon as I get Persona 4 Golden on the Switch, and that Switch is OLED... I'm set. I'm set for life. The fate of either the OLED or the Steam Deck rests entirely on Teddy. Have you ever thought about that? You know, <laughs> the bear mascot of Persona 4. It's all up to him. Oh, my God. It's always, it's always <laughs> up to Teddy. It's all, always has been. I could tell you were like preparing for my impression. You were like kind of getting ready for it. <laughs> I buckled like this. Squatting. Felt. Yeah. What are... um. Aren't there a bunch of Persona 4 spinoffs the same way there are Persona 5 spinoffs? Yeah. So there's Persona 4 Dancing All Night, which is sort of the visual novel rhythm game. There is Persona 4 Arena, Full Circle, a fighting game developed by Ark, who also make Guilty Gear. Oh, wow. Okay. And uh, then there's Blaze Blue Cross Tag, which is like a crossover fighting game with Persona 4 characters in it. I think... That's it. Yeah. Uh, oh, then there's the Q and Q2 games. So I just feel like one of those is going to be the thing that ends up on Switch. <laughs> it's going to be. Not to jinx it. I, can't you just see Atlas doing that, though? Be like, oh, the thing everybody wants is Persona 4 Arena on the Nintendo it's Switch. Be Persona 4 dancing all night on the Switch. <laughs> Dude. We laugh, but like, yeah. I don't even think it's funny anymore. Like, I think that's what Atlas will probably do instead of the thing we all Again, want. Again, it's like, 
we try to predict what Atlas and Nintendo are going to do. And it really is like, I'm not sure who to assign what, but it really is like Thanatos and Hypnos with those two, where it's like, <laughs> I think Atlas is Hypnos. So they're just sort of like, oh, I sold a million copies. Time to release the dancing game. You know, it's yeah. Like, Come on. And you know, you know how that works too, right? Is is they, they sold more Persona 4 Golden on Steam than they did on the Vita. And they're like, we've learned a very valuable lesson from this. We're going to port dancing all night to the Nintendo <laughs> Switch. And then it's going to fucking tank. And they're going to be like, uh, back to the drawing board. We have no idea how this shit yeah, works. They're like, People don't want this, I guess. It's like, People don't on. like Persona 4. <laughs> yeah. That, yeah. yeah, they're gonna they're gonna release like a Persona Four card game. Yeah, but uh, I I think that it, it seems like the obvious prediction is Persona Four Golden on other platforms. Even if it's like Game Pass, that would be amazing. Like you said, oh my Just god, like the more stuff it's available on, the better. Yeah, because I have only played the original. Oh god, that'd be so good on XCloud. Yeah, I would love to play that on my phone with the backbone Again, one the controller fate of the OLED or the Steam Deck rests in Teddy's hands. Uh, there also keeps being this like joke rumor that there's a Persona Kart game, but I would play the shit out of that. If that's yeah. what's announced on the Switch, I will get that day one. Oh my god! Uh, yeah, exciting. All right, but yeah, I felt all the walls in this room. We should. I want to. I want to turn around <laughs> and walk out the door again. Uh, you want to wrap up? Let's do it. I want to say real quick. I think uh, I this has been kind of a slower week for me game wise, other than Skyward Sword, because I've been finishing a lot of stuff, which has been cool. Uh, I finished Kasane's route of Scarlet Nexus. Very exciting. You're like about to be done with Yuito. So that will be our bonus for the month. We're going to do like a spoiler centric episode about that game, which will be a lot of fun. Yeah. I imagine it will kind of be in the style of a 13 Sentinels episode where we just try to make sense of what happened. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it will be it'll be a fun time. Probably like a, a shorter one if I had to guess. But uh, who knows with us? I, we always say that and then it's three hours. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so that will be the bonus. I'm also like nearing the end of Chicory and really enjoying that as well. Mm. Uh, it's just a beautiful game. Another, if you missed our Chicory episode, just like get it. It's a wonderful game. Um, trying to think what else I've been playing other than Guilty Gear. But yeah, this this week has been a little bit lower key. Um, I think we were originally planning on taking a small break, but we ended up uh, being able to get some time in, which has been cool. Because yeah, think, we were uh, gonna we were gonna take off this week, and then I think Skyward yeah. Sword kind of brought us out of brought that us mindset. Back. Yeah, we were just like Bruce pulled us back and said, yeah. "Grow up, straighten up, <laughs> grow a backbone." Yeah, I've been playing so much stuff, man. I started Judgment again because I want to finish that game before Lost Judgment comes out. Uh, as I said, I'm playing those golf games. Uh, I'm playing Animal Crossing Wild World for the Nintendo DS again, which has been amazing. A, a weird return. Um, everybody hates you in that game. I think it's yeah. hilarious. Uh you start with nothing. It, you start with less than you start with in Animal Crossing New Horizons, which is a game in which you are stranded on a desert island and you need to craft <laughs> things out of sticks. You have you have less stuff in Wild World. It's fascinating. Yeah, everyone treats you like Felix or like Felix would treat you in early Animal Crossing yes. games. Yes, it's great. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm just playing so much stuff right now. Uh, Chicory also on, on, you know, back and forth into that. Uh, just a lot of stuff going on. But yeah. Anyway, I have no idea what I'm going to talk about next week, and I'm excited about it. Do you want to announce? Uh, no, I was going to say we should announce next month's bonus, but maybe we, we do. We already next have, month. I think. We didn't announce who's on it. Oh, we haven't. No, we'll say that for another time. Is yeah, let's do that next month. Yeah, that was a fun. It's a fun little tease. We have a, we have a nice guest for that <laughs> one. That'll be good. Uh, for our patrons, you know who you are. We have our patron episode coming out relatively soon. I think we're recording that this coming week. Uh, so we'll probably be like recording that when this episode comes out, kind of thing. Expect that soon. Yeah. Um, hey, thank you for so much for listening. Into the cast.online has everything, 
everything Dude. you want. Steam Deck, OLED version. You can get a Steam Deck. You can on get Into a the Steam Deck on Into the Cast. <laughs> what if we have like a fake landing page? And this is like <laughs> Steam Deck dot biz. Uh, if you like the show, the best way to help it grow is to share with a friend. You know that. Uh, special thanks to our patrons. Uh, we really, really appreciate the support. But back in the show, you get access to our patron bonuses that are once a month. Uh, we're excited to do the next one, which is a kind of a question answer episode. If backing the Patreon at all puts you in any financial strain, please do not. Uh, we understand. But if you do back the show, you get those episodes and we appreciate your support. Uh, that's basically it, right? Anything yeah. exciting? Are you, you going to keep doing the Skyward Sword playthrough? I'm so up in the air about it. I mean, yeah. I've already played a bunch off stream at this point. Um, yeah. The big thing is that using the motion controls at this setup that I'm recording this podcast at right now, I am constantly terrified that I'm going to rip a wire out. <laughs> yeah, of, of the right. setup and and that makes it less fun uh so i i want to find something to stream really bad i was going to do judgment but i just kind of wanted to get back into that game i was thinking about skyward sword because i did the whole Link's awakening playthrough that didn't work out so i don't know i want to find something i'm not sure what it's going to be yet but I, i'll find something and I'll, I'll do a full playthrough of it or something yeah that'd be cool i'm looking forward to it i'll probably stream guilty gear again sometime soon but then i think uh i, I don't know I, I don't know if i'm gonna do like a playthrough but i'd love to find another project although i have my looming one which i've plugged now several times that won't happen for another six months but the end of the year i'm gonna do another nuzlocke for shining pearl and brilliant diamond i think i'm gonna get shining pearl just because it'll be easier to say every episode <laughs> brilliant diamond doesn't really roll off the tongue as easily yeah shining pearl mwah. Great alliteration. Love yeah. it. Uh, up there for games I'm anticipating this year. I'm, I'm really too. excited about that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm really curious about them. I'm curious to see like how much of the like vibe of fourth gen or like the design of fourth gen will be there and how much like quality of life stuff yeah. will, be, will be mixed in. Um, we'll see. Cool. A lot of stuff ahead of us, my friend. Yes. Thank you all so much for listening. Bye. <laughs> see you later. Grow up, straighten up, grow a backbone.